Hey, real quick, would you like to join me for a fun and super practical challenge to increase your online visibility? The Visibility Kickstarter Challenge is hosted by my friend Alina Vincent, who, if you don't know, she is the queen of online challenges. <clears throat> and that means that this is going to be one of the most actionable, value-packed, and fast-to-implement challenges that you have ever been a part of. I recently used her challenge method in my last launch, and it was the most effective challenge we have ever run, and it was easier than any, ever, any challenge we've ever run uh, as well. It is completely free, so if you want to join me, I'll be there. Head over to jenlaner.com forward slash 084 to sign up. And again, that's jenlaner, L-E-H-N-E-R.com forward slash 084. Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl, Jen. Today's guest is kind of a regular on this podcast. She's an artist, an author, and founder of the very popular Inspiration Place podcast, which is listened to by thousands of artists around the world. After witnessing 9-11, she decided to become a full-time working artist. Since then, her story and art have been featured in major publications, including Forbes, The New York Times, What Women Create, Art of Man, Professional Artist Magazine, and Art Journaling Magazine. Her artwork has been featured on NBC's Parenthood and the Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino. You'll find her best-selling book with Harper Collins Leadership. It's called Artpreneur, How to Make Money from Your Creativity Wherever Books Are Sold. In her signature artist incubator coaching program, she helps other artists learn business skills so they too can create more time and freedom to do what they love. Please welcome to the podcast, artist Miriam Shulman. Hey. Hey, Miriam. Okay. Is your book now in its second printing? Yes. So excited. That's really a big yeah. deal. Yeah, let me just explain for people who don't know what second printing means, because this is something I was brand new. You didn't know what that meant either, right? Well, not till I knew. No, you taught me that. Okay, so with hard covers and color books, they use a printing press and they just, they kind of guess how many books they want to do a print run on. For me, they printed 8,000 copies in color and they were running out of stock a few months ago. So they decided to, go to the printing press again and reprint 2,500 books. Now, when those are gone, I'm not sure if they're going to go to printing press again or if they'll just do it as a print on demand. So like on Amazon, if it's a paperback, you can just order a print on demand. So cool. And while we're talking about that, I was going to save this for the end of the show, but I'm going to say it now so nobody misses it. So if you leave an honest, sincere five-star review for this podcast over on iTunes, I am going to send you a free copy of Miriam's book so we could get her into the third printing. What? Okay. Yes. I want to do that. Um, it's it, honestly, Miriam, it is such a good book. We're going to talk about your book. We're going to talk about lots of things, but since we started with that, let's stay here. So the book is called Artpreneur and it's for artists, but honestly, it is the best all around marketing book. I have recommended it to so many people who are not artists because it's just so you cover so many fundamentals. And then also you really have a lot of, 
I don't know, profound insights on things that, that I think a lot of other people in this industry have missed. So while we're talking about the book, I want to pull some of the things out of there that, that I think really apply to everyone. You have this whole chapter that is all about starting before you're ready. That's a principle that I've always felt strongly about because I think so many people just wait for everything to be perfect. And that's a bunch of wasted time. But I mean, not that you have to summarize a whole chapter, but let's start there. Okay. I I love this because really what's, what's going on with most people is they're afraid of failing. Or sometimes, by the way, they are afraid of success. But either way, what they're imagining is a negative outcome in the future. So in order to avoid that negative outcome, they think, well, I, it's not ready yet, or I don't feel ready. And the problem is readiness just isn't even a feeling. There is a quote that I absolutely love. I forget which artist said this, that good art is never finished, only abandoned. And Jen, what you were saying earlier about how this isn't just for artists, my publisher made a point of they didn't want me just talk, and my, my agent as well, she didn't want me just talking to painters. She didn't want me just talking to fine artists. They wanted to make the book general enough that it could, pl- it could apply to anybody who has a creative product. Well, once you do that, then anything can stand in for what you're, you're creating. Then it's like, you're, well, you're creating a sales page or you're creating you know, a coaching program or whatever it is you're putting out in the world that it's coming from your imagination as entrepreneurs. We are creating things from our imagination that didn't exist before. So in that way, we are all creatives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about this um, starting before you're ready? Yeah. So absolutely. Like everything that I've ever done, I've always done it before I really felt ready to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like the podcast. I remember your podcast started just because you had heard a bet with Gary Vaynerchuk. Isn't that right? You were like, He was like, anybody who starts a podcast right now, I'm going to come on their show, but you have to start it right now and upload three episodes. So, so that's how mine started. I absolutely had no, no clue what I was doing. But what is the benefit to that as an entrepreneur? I mean, for an entrepreneur, if they really don't have everything already figured out? Okay. One of the things that comes up in my world over and over again, but I can also show how this works in um, just the general business world is artists will say to me, well, my style is evolving. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't I wait until it's fully evolved before I start marketing it? Or they'll say to me, how do I know if my art is marketable? And the only way you're going to know is if you start marketing it and getting feedback from it. But it's also true in the business world. And Jen, I know this with you all the time. You're always doing like your beta version, and to a small group, you see what the feedback is, and then you iterate. And when I talk about an artpreneur, is I liken it to the Disney princess movie, uh, Sleeping Beauty, mm-hmm. where the fairies take the little baby, and they bring her to the woods. <laughs> and you don't see her again until she's a fully grown, beautiful princess. She's, we never saw puberty. We never saw the pimples, you know, none (laughs) of that ever happened, right? You know, like, like that awkward stage that we all go through. Yeah, yeah. But here's the the thing is, 
us artists, us creatives, us entrepreneurs, we just want to hide our business baby away and not take it out until it's a fully grown, beautiful princess. And you have to love your baby now. You have to love your baby as it's growing up, as it's evolving. And that's the only way you can know what's working is if you put something out so you can get feedback. Yeah, that is so true. And you could just, you know, and sometimes you need to hear it from other people. But here is the fact. 90% of the time, that first iteration is going to be garbage. Whether it is your first podcast episode, the first time you live stream, the first time you, you know, I mean, maybe not. I'm just saying the point is, is like nobody is good at something the first time you do it. The first time you put on roller skates, you're not a great roller skater, right? Like, so it's sort of like coming to terms with the fact that it's probably going to sink and you're going to hate the way your voice sounds the first time you hear it. And you're going to hate the way you look on video. Most people tell me they do. I mean, it's just, that's sort of like part of the human condition, but it's just necessary. The good news is in this world that we live in with so much noise is that when you do decide to finally do that TikTok, it's not going to go viral the first time (laughs) and nobody's going to see it. When you launch your podcast, you're not going to have 50,000 listeners. So the beauty of that is that as you grow, your audience grows. And by then, you're going to have it pretty much figured out. So does this... I, I had this with my book. So I was, you know, I was pretty motivated and I didn't have like any kind of inner demon problems when I was going after the publishing contract, the agent, all those things. But once I signed the contract, oh my gosh, it was really paralyzing to me, like with all the creative anxiety. And what really set me free, Jen, is I had a podcast guest because, you know, the podcast is really so we can get free coaching, right? Absolutely. Okay, 100%. Okay, (laughs) so I had uh, Dr. Eric Maisel was on my podcast and I was talking to him about this. And I was saying, well, I understand the concept of shitty first draft. And he said, Miriam, you have to be willing to embrace shitty first book. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, that is what set me free. So my book isn't shitty. At but all. It, No, but the thing, you know, I'm very <laughs> proud of what I do. But if I was waiting until I don't know what I was, you know, trying to be Brene Brown or what, what the heck I was trying to be. Look, look at the 8,000 people who have benefited from the book so far. They would have missed out because I was trying to write, you know, the book that will be the next Julia Cameron and reach the millions or whatever. So you you have to just put out there something because it's going to help people, even if it's not perfect. Yeah. And I love something you said in your book about confidence was um, you said, I procrastinate because I lack confidence. And you said to this client, no, 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 you lack confidence because you procrastinate. Right. So the very definition of confidence, if you look it up in the Googles or dictionary.com or whatever, the very definition is self-trust. So every time you don't do what you say you're going to do, in other words, you procrastinate, you are eroding your self-confidence. And to, if you want to increase your confidence, it's very easy. All you have to do is follow through with your commitments. Because every time you do what you say you're going to do, you're going to increase your self-trust, which will increase your confidence. And it's not about the result. That's the good news. It's not about the result. It's about doing what you say you're going to do. 
Okay, I left silence on the end of that because that's going to be a soundbite. <laughs> I'm like, that was really good. I'm gonna, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, that's going to be a soundbite. How does this fit into, you just planted the seed in my ear. I know nothing about it, but does this feed into what you hinted at earlier about the belief triad? Does this fit in there at all? So the belief triad's a little bit different, but all of it is, so much is mindset throughout the book. Yes, the book is practical. There's lots of strategies in it. Lots. But we both, and sometimes like, well, I like to joke that the book is a self-development book in disguise as a business book for artists. Yeah, I think that's true. But there are tons of like really practical, tactical information there as well. Yeah. And, And this is one of them. So it's both mindset as well as practical. So the belief triad is, there's three parts. And the first two, and they sound very banal and cliche, and that's and you got to believe in yourself and (laughs) you got to believe in your product or your art. But what all those gurus leave out who are pushing that self-belief, like just believe in yourself and raise your prices, is you have to believe in your client. You have to believe in your customer or your collector, whoever it is. So that's what's usually missing from people's belief systems that can sabotage themselves. And let me just illustrate this for you, Please, yeah. So if you were going to buy a painting from me, that's $10,000, you're not trying to decide, Jen, if my art is worth $10,000, if I'm worth $10,000. What you're trying to decide, what's behind that purchasing decision in your mind is you're trying to decide if you want this painting, you're trying to decide if you, Jen, are worth investing $10,000 in. And this is even more true when we're talking about selling things like coaching packages, weight loss packages. Does the person believe in themselves and believe in the results that you're offering? And if you, as the seller of that, have any doubts about your customer or them getting the results, you will sabotage that sale. They will pick up on your uncertainty and the brain hates uncertainty. So what does that look like, Miriam? Like if I don't have, let's say I'm on a discovery call and somebody is interested in working with me (laughs) one-on-one. Here's Um, my favorite example. All right. In the movie, Pretty Woman, when Julie Roberts, I'm just going to go through the plot points in case people don't know it because you and I know it, but Julia Roberts is a hooker and Richard Gere wants her to dress very nicely. He hands her the gold cart. He says, go shopping. She's still dressed like a hooker. She goes to Rodeo Drive and the mean salespeople won't wait on her. Why? Because they don't believe that she has the means to pay for it, right? They don't believe in her. We all think we're not that mean salesperson, Jen, but how many times have you offered the smaller package to somebody? Mm-hmm. Or have you thought they're a tire kicker? Or you've had any of these negative thoughts. Now, they're all coming from our own insecurity when we're having negative thoughts about clients and customers. So when I get on a sales call or when I'm selling a piece of art, I have to keep reminding myself, I love my customer. I love my buyer. You have to love them. You have to believe in them. You have to believe in their results. That's so good. And it's so true. And it it takes me back to um, a long time ago when I was uh, getting some coaching from Todd Herman. And he, I was saying something like I was trying to price a course and he suggested maybe a price. And I was like, "Ah, no, 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 my avatar. No, they can't afford that. They can't, you know, they can't afford that. And he said, 
it's not up to you to decide what people can afford. You have no idea what people can afford or they can't afford. Like you're looking at it through your own lens or whatever. But that really stuck with me. It's not exactly what you're saying, but but kind of. It's selling from your own pocketbook. Right. Ooh, good one. Huh. Another bumper sticker for Miriam Schulman. (laughs) Selling from your own pocketbook. One thing that I go through an artpreneur, and I have a whole table of this, is the overcoming objections chart. And the whole point of that chart, Jen, is not to get a yes no matter what. It's to understand what may be going through your customer's mind when they're presenting objections to you. Because when you can step into compassion for where they're at, that's when you can more lovingly close a sale. Wow. That is so good. And I definitely think everybody needs a little more confidence when it comes to closing the sale, not just artists. I mean, artists are sort of famous for not being able to sell, but I think that's the, that's the myth. The myth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about some interesting things that are happening right now in the world of marketing, how you might be applying it in your own business and sort of the stuff that you're seeing, because we should tell everyone, like in addition to this book, Miriam has a thriving online business of her own. So she's an active artist. So she she sells paintings. But I would say you spend most of your time in your online business, which is, you know, again, she has this this amazing podcast, but also she has programs that help artists to grow their own businesses. So like digital courses and masterminds, and all that good stuff. Correct me, jump in at any time. Yeah, if, no, no, if that's I right. Said anything wrong. So you spend a lot of your time figuring out like what is the best way to reach people with the best messaging at the best time and how can we do it efficiently? What's working? What's not working? So you and I have shared lots of fun AI tools. So let's start there. Like, are there any AI tools or a- any AI stuff that you're doing right now that people should know about? Yes. Well, I really love ChatGPT and I'm using it also, not just on my own messaging, but helping my clients. And if I could say one thing about it it, that most people get wrong is they start from scratch too often when they go to ChatGPT and that's when they come back with basically garbage generic stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? 100%. Yeah. So what mostly what I work with with my clients and what I do myself is you really have to prime the algorithm with everything very specific to you and give ChatGP something to work with. And that's when it really works the best is when you're using it to iterate for something better. So right, like educate it a little bit on who you are, what you do, have it ask you questions about what you are and what you do, right? Like that's the famous prompt right now. It's uh, it's something like, I want to bring you up to speed on what I do. So ask me all the questions you need to know to give me the best content that you can create for my business. So then chat GPT asks you 20, 30 questions. Then you answer all the questions and it knows a little bit about your business and the conversation lasts forever. I shouldn't say forever, but the, the conversation is there and it gets better all the time, the more information that you give to it. But I'm loving I didn't know more. that actually. So yeah, I mean, I'm glad you told me because I didn't know that. I actually create a different thread for each of my clients. So whenever I'm helping them, I'm always going back to that same thread that where I 
store everything. But I love what you just shared. My favorite tool right now is is Claude.ai. Have you been using Claude at all? Uh, no. What is Claude? Okay. Claude is like ChatGPT, but better in the sense that it is current data. So it's been it's been trained up until now. And you could put in larger amounts of text. And even though it said that it can't read links, it did. So um, I was just messing around and someone asked me to review one of their sales pages. And she led with uh, like a paragraph question about like, you know, what do you think about the sales page? And, you know, I'm having trouble with blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking about doing blah, blah, blah. What do you think? Link to sales page. I copied and pasted the whole thing and just plopped it right into Claude. Claude did go to the link. So and, crawled the link and was yes, able to... and looked at wow. the whole sales page and gave me the most incredible, like realistic and helpful suggestions that my mind was like, I couldn't believe it. So I'm loving Claude.ai and I've made a, I've made a little folder on my browser, on my bookmark bar that is AI. And every time I find a really good new tool, I just slide it into that folder because the other thing I recommend doing is, and I'll put the links to these in the show notes because of course I don't, I don't know them off the top of my head, but there's about three AI, really, really good AI newsletters that I subscribe to. And they're, they're, it's nice because they're, they're condensed and they, it's in bullet, you know, I, you could scan it. You don't have to sit there and spend 30 minutes reading it. And they'll list about three or four really helpful, useful AI tools or Chrome browser plugins that are AI or, you know, whatever. It's all about, it's all about automation and AI. And it's just amazing. Um, and if, if you're a AppSumo person or a product hunt, hunt person, God, I have such, sympathy for those people over there because it's just, it almost feels like infinite, like an infinite number of new tools every day. I mean, thousands of new tools. I don't know how the app store is keeping up, how the Chrome store is keeping up. Like these tools are just like, uh, remember that episode in Star Trek? What were those things called? They just, you added water and then they kept reproducing until- You mean gremlins? No, it's like Gremlins. Gremlins copied this Star Trek episode. Star Trek episode. I, yeah, I'm not a Trekkie, so I don't know. Well, I'm not either, but somebody, somebody. You went to MIT, so it just seems like that's so just... So I should? Yes, you, you should <laughs> no, know I'm, all I'm the Star Trek head. episodes. No, I'm a Potterhead. <laughs> okay, all right. But you know which uh, tool I love that you turned me on to? I used it today is playh.ht. Oh, I haven't used that in a while, but talk about that because okay. it's super cool. All right. So I am planning my Halloween episode and here's how I use play. And I use these tools very creatively. So it's not like this is hampering creativity at all or replacing me as a human, as a creative being. So I have my Halloween episode and the first thing I, you know, it's me talking. And the first thing I want to do is I want to read a letter, an email from a customer. So instead of me reading the email, I plopped his email into play.ht and play.ht is basically you can pick from how many voices, tons of voices, tons with lots of with male, female, whatever accent you want. And so I love doing this because it adds texture to my podcast. And then the other thing I use it for 
is since my book's out, um, I like to have the Amazon reviews read on the show. But I, I really never liked it when I hear other podcasters reading reviews, like they're, they're reading their iTunes reviews or their Amazon reviews or whatever. So I have the robots re- in their like British accents reading Amazon reviews as commercials on my podcast. And it's just so much more fun that way. And I think it just adds a different kind of texture to the show. I love that idea. And we should add that like these are not your robot voices from even six months ago. The quality of these voices you really would never know are AI. And even you can reproduce your own voice by uploading about 45 minutes of your own voice talking and it will clone your voice. And uh, I have used this in situations where I have not been able to do my flash briefing and my team will take the script from the flash briefing, plop it into play.ht, use my voice, my synthetic voice. We do tell the audience that it's it's fake gen is what we call it. And we've used that when I've been on vacation because in the past I would just I would just play a recording for a week that just says, you know, the flash briefing will be back next week. Um, Not ideal. So now uh, we are, I'm able to be there and not be there. So it's really, it's really quite incredible. Do you know you can do that with video now too? Shut up. Well, like with your face? Yeah. What? Tell us the... the, the, Yeah, I haven't. Okay. It's called Hey Jen and Jen not spelled like your name, but like generate a lead. Oh, okay. So, hey, G-E-N, uh-huh. and basically you pose in front of it. And so you can literally just type in your VSL and it will generate the voice and the video of you. VSL means video sales letter. Yeah. Okay, that is... I have to try I'm looking it. at it. This is amazing. We you know used... how many times I don't do a video because my hair doesn't look good? Um, yeah, today, for example, for me, I'm like, I was supposed well, to I do actually, a video. I did my hair for you because I thought we were meeting on video. But I'm sorry. That's okay. I, don't, I don't do video podcasts. I don't, they, I find it distracting because I'll use a lot of hand motions and then the listeners can't, don't know that I'm flipping you off or whatever I might be doing in that moment. <laughs> okay. So, um, no, this is really cool. And we have used a fake person, like an avatar to do a video, um, some training videos, and they were really pretty good. I mean, the per- it definitely looked like you, like a real human. The mouth, it was a slightly bit off from the, the mouth movements, but I mean, it's still, it's so good that you figure in six more months, this is going to be, you know, and, and audience, listen, we, we, we understand also the dark side potential oh, of 100%, all of this, right? As you're saying this, I like so miss some of my favorite shows because of the writer's strike. So I totally get why, like the actors and writers, like I and I feel guilty. You know? I, I know, I, do. I know, I, I feel do. guilty for all the reality TV I watch, and that I don't even, you know, no, but it's like you know, <laughs> right? That's a whole another thing. That's a whole another right? thing, right? But it's like I don't want this to replace real actors and actresses. I don't want it to, you know for movies to go away and original content to go away. And I don't think it really is a replacement for that. But in terms of me not getting in front of camera, I don't know. That's something I might want to try. I know. No kidding. I mean, oh, all right. We might think of some other AI thing we want to visit. I want to talk about threads. I want to talk about X. So... All right. First of all, I'm not using threads because it's kind of like I am not doing any more social media, new social media, I'm done. I'll talk you out of that. 
And then X, I am absolutely not using Twitter anymore because of the anti-Semitism that is all over that platform. I know, I know. So I just can't, I can't. It's just like not, it's so misaligned with my values. Well, he is really, um, I don't know. I think everybody thought he was odd, but all this other stuff that has come out is just really, really super. uh, No, it's dark and I can't contribute to a platform that does that. You know, it's really, they've opened the doors wide for, you're going to cut all this out, aren't you? No, I'm not going to cut it out. It needs to be. I never cut anything out. Are you kidding me? No, it's totally staying. Um, it's true. It's true. I can't leave yet. He's going to start charging across the board for people to use it. And here's what I will say. As much as I, I can't stand him, I can't stand all the changes he's made to my favorite social media platform because it really was, you know that. I mean, I even had a course about Twitter. Um, there were so many things that that I love about Twitter. But what I will say is that at first I was like, really, he's really crazy. He paid $43 billion for this and he's just completely, you know, cutting it off at the knees and it's going to be completely bankrupt. And that's what everybody thought. And he laid off all the workers. But actually, I mean, if the world has learned one thing about this guy is like not to underestimate him. And I really am not trying to say anything positive about him. So I don't want it to come out positive. I'm just saying as a matter of what I think is is more matter of fact is that what he's trying to do is to create an everything app like WeChat in in China. And so he's making all these changes. It won't even be recognizable as the Twitter that it once was. And I think if anybody can pull it off, it it will be him. I'm not saying I want to be a part of it at that point. I'm just saying that's a little bit of news of what's happening in the moment. Let's pivot a bit and talk about what you are using um, in in the way of digital tools for your marketing and what's working, YouTube, Reels, email marketing, and we want to hear. Okay, YouTube, we made a commitment this year, 2023. We're going all in on YouTube. I've invested a lot with my team converting. Start. Oh, that's that's me. I, I don't know what just happened to my phone. Hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like we're hearing... Okay, we're hearing you read your book. Okay, start over. Is that me? That didn't yeah, sound that like was me. you. That was because it was on one and a half speed. I listed all my books at one and a half oh, speed. You know, I haven't listened to my own book. Oh, it's so good. You really should. And and listeners, she has these great quotes that you clearly spent a lot of time making sure that like you picked exactly the gems that you wanted to be in your book. Um, but also she had people like other people, other marketers, other influencers, thought leaders, whatever, who she likes and follows she or who has she has partnered with. I'm talking about you like you're not here. Um, but <laughs> but what I love is that you and the audiobook had them read those quotes. And then okay, when so you wait, wait, okay, record scratch. What I did was when I was writing my book and I knew I wanted to somehow ego bait influencers. So I knew so I wanted smart. to right, I wanted to use quotes for them, but then my publisher was warning me. She was like you you got to be very careful about uh using th- you know people's memes or quote quote grams, you know things that they say that they say cuz who knows it could actually be Maya Angelou who said it not Rachel Hollis or or whoever, right? Right. So uh, what I did was when I wrote my outline for my book 
And let's say I'm talking about email marketing. I'm like, okay, who's come on my podcast to talk about email marketing? And then I went back to that podcast and I pulled out things that flowed into what I was writing about. And then when I went to record the audio book, we pulled those clips, those audio clips out of the podcast to incorporate them oh, into right. the audio book. So we, and we had to get everyone who we were including to sign off on it too, like legally, since we were selling it as a product, they had to give us permission to sell it without them benefiting monetarily. And yeah. Can we go back to the brilliance of the ego baiting? And can you just talk about that? Because that alone is like, whether you want to self-publish, you want to go with a traditional publisher, this is just really, really smart. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So it is a smart idea that I didn't come up with. I did remember hearing somebody else and I can't, unfortunately, I can't remember what her name is. Ashley something, something. If you want, I can find out later, Jen, if you want to include it. But yeah, sure. So, somebody else was talking about how the promotion of the book starts when you write it. And I saw other people do similar things where they include case studies of other influencers. and. So when I was quoting other influencers in my book, and I'm not talking about the quote that goes right before the chapter. I'm talking about like as right, the content right, right. inside the book, what I'm really talking about. Now, when I went to go and seek out endorsements, I said, hey, Todd Herman, mm -hmm. you're included in or you're quoted in chapter 11 of the book. Would you like to endorse my book? So, so smart. I'm How do, giving, well, did it work? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. So it, it worked for through the people it was going to work on. Let's right. put it that way. Right. Oh, I love that. That's great. Okay. So you're going heavy into YouTube. Heavy into YouTube. Committed to my own podcast. We are very heavy social media advertisers. So Facebook ads primarily and Instagram. Instagram and Facebook, correct. And wherever it is that they show. You really need, when you're doing Instagram advertising, even Facebook advertising, both, whenever people see your ads, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go to your profile and check it out. So you better have good stuff on your profile page. You can't just do social media advertising in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So the content is important for them when they come to check you out to see those authority pieces that are there, to see that you are consistent and, and doing all the things. And the primary way I love to use social media platforms, and I tell my clients to use it this way as well, is to be social and communicate and connect. That it's way more important to spend your time connecting with and creating clients and customers than it is to be creating just content. Okay, let's pause there. And on that note, send a DM to Miriam on Instagram and she is at the inspiration place. No, it's at, uh, no, Shulman art. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is hard to spell. I know. Uh, S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N art. Okay. So send her a DM, send me a DM. Also not easy. It's J-E-N underscore L-E-H-N-E-R. Send us a DM right now and tell us if you're listening. And that's something that you do on your podcast is that you get people to reach out to you in the DMs on Instagram. Why do you do that? Yeah, I do. So 
there's a couple of ways that I use it. One way is if you DM me the word believe, you being the listener, I will send you chapter one, choose to believe absolutely free. Now, the first part of that is handled by the robots. But if you do send me a personal message, I do answer it. Well, I like the robot answer very much. I think that's... Well, well, here's the thing that was happening. This is why we use robots is because I found that I was using the same canned responses and canned things all the time. And people are asking me, is this a robot? (laughs) So then if people are accusing me of being a robot anyway, I might as well automate it. Yeah. Right. But I, I... I do answer. If you send me something personal, I will respond personally. Okay. Are you have your um this bot set up through ManyChat? Yes. Okay. That's M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T if you've never heard of it, but it's so great. So people text the word believe to Miriam and Miriam says, do that and I'm going to send you this. What's the gift yeah, that you give and, them? Um, the chapter, chapter one. Chapter, chapter one, one. Absolutely free. But also if you're a fan of Jen, then you're going to love to see this automation at work because it is a work of art, this one many chat automation for the chapter one. It's it's a beautiful thing. Okay, I'm definitely going to check it out just as soon as we hang up. I think I've done it before, but I want to do it again. Yeah, because no, you, ha- you definitely have done it before. I don't know if it'll work twice. I guess it would. Well, we're about to see. Yeah. Okay, the other way I use it, if, if I may. So the idea for this came from, um, what's, our, what's our girl? Seagrin. I was going to say, what's our... Iceland. S I G R U N. Where's a red dress? She's from Iceland. Okay, yeah. So this was her suggestion, and I do it all the time. Works really well. So whenever I'm doing a webinar or my boot camp, or even when I'm on a summit, I choose a keyword. So, like I was on this mompreneur summit, for example, and I said, DM me the word mompreneur. And that way, the, everyone DMing you that word, you know uh, where they came from. Where they came from. So now, you smart. can set up automations also for this. So for some things we do, like we have an evergreen funnel where I ask them to DM a keyword. I'm not going to say what it is on the air because then people will like send it. <laughs> uh, right. So if I have a, a webinar keyword, I do have an automated response from ManyChat like an hour later. It says, hey, thanks so much for watching. Do you have any questions about my program? That's great. So what I was doing before is I was automatically just doing that same can response. So that's like, no, no, no. Just if, if you're doing, if you're acting like a robot, just automate it. So you're having them send a keyword where did that fit in in the webinar? And then how, how does okay, the bot... It's right. It's at the beginning. So during the time where you're asking them to, right before you tell them to eliminate distractions, mm-hmm. that's when I do it. So the, before the eliminate distractions slide, I say, okay, I really want to connect with you when this is over. So just take a moment right now, take out your phone, DM me the word, whatever the keyword is I made up for that thing. And I'll connect with you after this is over. And then do you have, I can't remember if ManyChat allows you to set a time. Yes, it does. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so you don't want to do it while you're on the webinar. So you'll be distracted. Yeah, so it's like an an hour hour later or whatever you want it to be. Okay, right there. This is like, this is why I have a podcast. So (laughs) So that we can get I can get free marketing. That's right. Like (laughs) at that level, like that is so, so good. You guys, if you have an evergreen webinar. And you know how many people who sign up for your webinar never follow you on Instagram? 
So in order for them to DM you, they have to follow you first. Actually, they may have changed that on Instagram. That's something you can check. But it used to be that you couldn't DM somebody unless you were following them. So all those people would follow me too. So I would get like hundreds of new followers too. And that's important also because if you are advertising and, you know, the, uh, Facebook or Meta sees all this activity in your DMs, yes. it just sort of... Yes, you, it affects the algorithm yes. so that you it's so much easier for to retarget them. Once they DM you, they're more likely to see your organic posts too. Yeah, it's just all around good. Yes. Like it's just, that, that's just, that's fantastic, Miriam. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, and um, I have closed sales in the DMs. That's just amazing. All right, now I want to ask you, are you seeing anything these days that's bothering you, annoying you, any trends, good or bad, that is on your radar? Oh, everything annoys me. We were talking about this before we hit record. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, I was... You sent you sent all these messages, and then I and then there were eight messages. But I, by the time I w- went into my Voxer, it was like unsend, unsend, unsend. Well, like, I got embarrassed. I got embarrassed. So I'm kind of like a walking Seinfeld uh, episode. <laughs> I, I live on the Upper West Side. There's all these weird characters, and I joined Equinox, this fancy gym. And I was there the other day and I always like to take the same corner locker because I can never remember my locker number otherwise. <laughs> you know, like yeah, lockers. Re- yes, I can okay. relate. So uh, there's this woman, older woman there, not that much older than us. And maybe she's in her 60s. And I had told her that once. And the next time I saw her there, I said, oh, you must have beat me to the locker. Like, because not the, the, the whole corner was all locked up. And she said, oh, no, I reserved four lockers for myself so that I could spread out. What? I know, right? I'm like, that's so mean of you. I'm like Elaine just telling her to her face what's wrong with her. You know, like that. that's like half the episodes are Elaine being self-righteous and telling people off. Did so, you did you tell her that or you just said that in? No, I did out loud. Like, Wait I a said minute. It to her. You said, I said that that's was so, me. That was so mean of you. And then she was defending herself by saying, oh, well, like what if she told you she was an amputee and she needed it for her like two legs? Like then you would have been felt well, bad. No, she's there to work out. Okay. <laughs> okay. All so right. she, she says, well, I come during peak hours. So I need to make sure I have room. I said, that makes it worse. That Exactly. <laughs> That's even worse. Like, like oh my so gosh. So inconsiderate of you. So I had put all this into our Voxer chat and nobody responded. It was like radio silence. So then I felt kind of silly. Like, oh, well, maybe... Maybe I'm the, like the the petty one for like for caring about this. So I deleted all the all you are hilarious messages. Yeah. So so for our listeners, we have a a group Voxer chat with several other women. Which, by the way, I highly recommend. Don't you? I highly recommend having your own little like mastermind of people who you trust and who give you sound advice and be a listening board and that sort of thing. I mean, obviously with your friends, but I'm saying a professional group chat. That's that's what this is. Yeah. Which clearly Miriam was being very professional and sharing uh <laughs> well that was the <laughs> other reason I deleted it because I was I like you should have like, like well, maybe people don't want to hear about this. No, I would have loved it. I just didn't I got there late and then everything was was gone. Now I had the women in my in this Voxer chat are the only ones I'll listen to audio messages. And the thing is with Voxers, you can speed it up inside the app if you want to. Mm-hmm. And you can pause it. But one of my pet peeves is when people send me audio messages either on my DMs or on text because you can't pause them. 
you can't speed them up and I never know what they're going to be. And it actually gives me anxiety to see like voice messages in my inbox. I feel like it's a one-way convenience for the other person. Maybe that's why I like sending them, but I don't like receiving them. It's because I I just do not like... um, typing on my phone. I'm not well, good at it. Well, you can do a voice a voice. Oh, yeah, that's, I can. But you know what? That ends up I, more off. I mean, more times than I can even tell you. I've gotten myself into so much trouble because I do voice to text and then I move on to the next task. And that phone is transcribing every word that I'm saying in the next conversation. Like, oh, that's happened to me. Oh, my gosh. And then I, it's like, right. oh, wow. I mean, if I would have sent that, that would have been the end of me. Right. You know, it's just I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, I guess I could do that. But I, I, I won't send you any voice messages. OK, but, so um, I'm an Enneagram 8. And on the Enneagrams, that's the one that gets pissed off. So pretty much that's my like go to. I'm always pissed off about something. <laughs> well, you don't strike me as that. I mean. You don't strike me as always pissed off. You're a keen observer of life. Okay. And I'm just, I'm, I just am that's in awe of that you. you, no, that's true. But I am in awe that you told that woman to her face that she was being a jerk. Well, because it was my corner too. I, and you better believe I went to the gym today. She had chosen a whole different bay. She's, she's staying oh, away man, from she's me. She's afraid right? of you. Know, oh, right. Watch out. Here comes that Miriam lady. It reminds me of the old ladies at my gym who... I, like, I like to be on the front row, as you know. And definitely, if I'm taking a workout class, I need to be in the front row because I want to watch I want to watch all the moves so I can get the moves. So I get there early. It's not like I, like, elbow my way up to the front. I get there early, and then I will plant myself front and center right in front of the instructor. Oh, man, that really makes people mad because there's some of these women who have been going to the gym for 30 years, and that's their spot, you know? It's like their right. unspoken spot. And I, I respect that some degree, but like sometimes it's just a little bit ridiculous. And I feel my heart beating really fast. Like I'm going to get a dirty look. But then I'm like, look, nobody owns these spots. No, it's whoever gets there first. And that's like the thing with this this woman, I wouldn't have had a problem if she took my one corner locker or even two. Like you can argue like if it's raining or, or if it's w- winter and you have a winter coat, which by the way is neither of those things last week. But you can make a case for that. So it's not that she took my one corner. It was that she took all four, like the two bottom and the two top. It was like, really? Yeah, that's obnoxious. I mean, that's the only word. It's just obnoxious and a little bit selfish. So I hope she's listening. Okay, <laughs> no. okay but in the world of marketing, okay. yeah. uh, one, so one thing that I thought that I was going to do for my book launch is I thought I was going to do Instagram lives. At one point, that was a thing. We all yeah. remember that was a thing. I don't know the last time it, you've it done still an Instagram. Is. Well, I never got into it, but it's go ahead. Well, okay. So back in January, so I had all these lives scheduled, and every time I was going live with the other person, right before you hit the live button, and I'm going to do it right now just to see. So right before you go hit the live button, Instagram tells you how many of your followers oh, are yeah. on the platform, not live, not live, but actually on the platform. So back in January, the most I ever had was 65. Not tuning into my live, let's be clear, but available to become live. And I have 27,000 followers. Yeah, Jen, right. would you like to take a guess right now in, uh, I, I don't know when this is airing, but we're recording September 2023. How many do you think are active right now and we're recording in the afternoon? I don't know, but I just went live. I'm live right now. And it did not. It's not 65. 
It didn't tell me. It didn't give me that number. I'm There's probably delete. nobody. Okay. You want to know how many are active right now? 15. Yeah. 15 people. That's it. But do you trust? Do you? And plus it lives there. Doesn't our lives live, live on? So I think it's still worth it. Well, you don't think so? I'm too self-conscious when Pete, when there's no one showing up to my life, like, hello, and leave a comment if you have a question. And, and then the format, it used to be that the live automatically went into your feed and everything stayed, like the comments stayed there. And the way it works now is that you have to reshare it and it like kind of starts from zero anyway. So you lose that juice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a disappointment. Are you doing Facebook lives? No. Are you doing, I t- you're doing real? I told you before we hit record that this would be a fail. Like if you wanted to ask me about what oh, I'm using. It's not a fail because this helps people. For for one thing, it makes people feel better about not being all the places. I tell people that it's more important to spend 10 hours connecting and talking to potential customers than it is spending 10 hours creating content. The person who spends 10 hours like not being sleeping beauty, but going hiding in the woods until you're perfect, getting your, you know, logo and your soundtrack and all that stuff perfect, but actually going out in the world with your pimples and talking to people, that's going to be a more successful entrepreneur than the one who's spending the same amount of time creating content for the Zuckerverse. Okay. Well, you know, I have to weigh in here and say that I agree with that, except I think you can have both. I think if you have a team creating content for you, that frees you up to go out and do the important face-to-face connections with customers and clients. Well, 100%, because whenever I say that, people call me out on it. They're like, well, aren't you talking to us on a podcast right now? And how does that happen? (laughs) Good point. Good point. So yes, and I even said so earlier, if you're running social media ads, they can't show up to like this empty storefront, you know, like or, or whatever, the diner with no cars in the driveway. You have to have something going on on that platform. So yeah, the bulk of my investment goes into monetizing it. So, well, whatever you're doing, it's working. Yeah. So is there going to be a book number two? Oh, you know what? It's kind of like after you have a baby and you have amnesia about how hard the trip was the first time. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe. Yes. I'm thinking about doing one on more on creativity. Oh, will you stay with HarperCollins? I don't know. It depends if they're interested in my new topic. So the acquiring editor is the editor who makes the decision that, yes, um, we want to publish this book. And usually they have to go to a higher up and get the monies and all that. So Sarah, who was my acquiring editor, they closed my imprint. So they closed my branch of HarperCollins. So she's no longer with them. So I don't have kind of like a cheerleader over there, but the book has done well. So I mean, the, another the editor, dollar bills are the cheerleader. Yeah, so that, that's true. Yeah. Okay, before we sign off, uh, I want to get to the really important stuff, which is, are you watching the new season of Roni? No, I'm not. Is that a disappointment to you? I, I can't even believe you haven't watched Mrs. Maisel and you live on Riverside Drive. No, okay. I mean, my watching habits are, you know, really a horror show. My husband and I, I, I got him to watch Hoarders the other day. Oh, I, mean, I can't watch that show. Gross. Just, so we, 
know, that is a really good show for self-development. You watch one show of that and your house will be clean. You will question <laughs> all your life choices. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that, oh, when they we get to the kitchen. We watch it and then we go and we clean up the whole apartment. Oh, they find dead animals in the kitchen that have been, oh, oh my no. God, I can't even. Um, no, Real Housewives of New York, the new season, it's not too bad. It's not as good as the original crew. So you but think I'd like it? I do. There's a couple of girls right, on I'll there go I, check think, it out. I think you would like. Okay. They're also super annoying, but... Um, but I'm listening to Bethany's podcast. Oh, so good. Just B. I can't tell the difference She's between got like them. four... She puts the same content on four different podcasts. Well, I don't why? know. why? Yeah. I, oh, no. But yeah, I bought so many new makeup products and I even bought vegan caviar the other day at her suggestion. Oh. It was really, really, really good. It was made from truffles. It's from Italy. I mean, it wasn't oh. made to be vegan. It was actually just made to be this tr delicious truffle thing that was very much like the consistency and saltiness and flavor of caviar, but it just happened to be vegan. So I was like, oh, I have to try it. But anyway, okay. So we've really covered like 42 topics. Writing the summary of this show is going to be fun. Are you going to use chat GPT or are you going to use yes. um, or something? I'll choose. I'll, you know what? I'm going to throw it into chat GPT and Claude and I'm going to ask for ask it to pull out the main points to give me the hook, the title, the summary, all of all of the things. And I'm excited. So thank you so much, Miriam, for being here. Remember to check out Miriam's podcast. It's called The Inspiration Place. You could get it anywhere you get your podcast. It's really fantastic. She has amazing guests on there and she's just a, a gifted host. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes for this podcast, take a screenshot and send it to me through Instagram since we talked about that as a way of connecting with our audience. And that's Jen underscore L-E-H-N-E-R. Miriam, thank you so and you're, much. And you're sending what? them a free book, right? Oh yeah, and I'm sending you a free book. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason you're gonna do that is because I am going to send you a free book, Artpreneur by Miriam Shulman, which you need to get anyway. It's just such a good book. Miriam, thank you and so much. And they have much. a deadline for doing this, right? This has to be submitted by November 1st to qualify for the free book. Miriam, thank you so much for joining us again today. As always, it was so much fun and I learned a ton. Thanks, Jen. I learned a lot too.